thank you very, very much, uh, Jason, for this wonderful build-up. Uh, I hope I remain there and uh, not drop down. <laughs> Jason uh, is, a, I think, a true friend. And the reason I say that is because the first time we met, I invited him to go on a walk with me, and he came. Uh, we walked six miles. And uh, then he came again the second time. And the second time he said, well, can we go for a walk? So I said to myself, well, here is a guy who either he likes me, he's a good friend, or he likes punishment. I don't know which one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, before I go into my actual message, I want to say something off the hymn that we, the, the prayer we began with, which is uh, come uh, one and all. And this reminds me of a, a passage in the Quran, uh, which is, as you know, it's our uh, revealed book. It is the actual speech of God as recorded on earth. And so I will say to you in the language in, in which it was revealed, which is Arabic, and then I will translate it for you, which I think um, really speaks about the spirit of what that's beautiful uh, prayer and hymn was. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty, our Creator, He says, A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Qul ya ibadi alladhina asrafu ala anfusihim la taqnatu لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم. This is how you recite the Quran. It's called reciting. It sounds like singing. It's not singing. It's called reciting. Um, it's a direct command to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he says, say, O people who have transgressed against yourselves. This is God Almighty talking to us people who commit sins in our lives. And he's saying to his messenger, Muhammad, peace be upon him, say, and it's a direct command, call, say, to those who have transgressed against themselves, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Verily, Allah will forgive all sins. And truly, He is the most forgiving, the most merciful. And as I was listening to that, I think this ties in uh, very nicely with that. Today, I want to teach you farming. Um... Think about this. What you hold in your hand is the seed. If you hold it, that is all that you will have. But if you plant it, you will have a harvest that will feed you and your family and many others all around you. If you go to India, this actually happened to me once. Southern India, late May, is the peak of summer. Temperatures are 
in Fahrenheit 125 plus. It's like standing in front of a furnace, quite literally, without, without, without exaggeration. The soil is split. It looks like a jigsaw puzzle because it's cracked with the heat. It's been baking in the heat for three months, solid. If you go into the hut of a farmer, you will find two things. One, you will not find the adults at home. The mother and the father are not there. You say, where have they gone? They've gone to the town nearby and they're working on a construction site, carrying construction material up and down in that heat. But in the house, you will find a sack of grain. So you ask whoever's there, say, why have they gone there? Because we have no food to eat. Uh, we are surviving on one roti per day. A roti, to give you an idea, is a pita bread. One per day in 24 hours. Um, so they've gone to earn some money so they can afford this one piece of bread. So you might say, well, that is strange because you have a whole sack of grain in your house. Why don't you eat that grain? Grind it and make your rotis. The monsoon, which is when the rains come once in a year, the monsoon is around the corner. This sack of grain is enough to take you and your family to the monsoon. There's no need for you to suffer the hardship. That is why we need to learn farming. The farmer will say, it's not about eating for this period. It's about eating for the whole year. If we eat this grain now, we starve for the rest of the year. But if we see ourselves through this difficulty now and plant that grain, then we eat and others eat for the whole year. And that's why we should know farming. Because farming is not the only place this applies, is it? This is life. Only when our deeds leave our hands and go up into the sky, do decisions about our lives descend. We are all farmers, all of us. And just now you planted some seeds. We are all farmers. We have been given the choice of the kind of harvest we want to earn. The world is like a fertile field, a fertile field. It doesn't care what you plant in it, but it will give you only that which you plant in it. You plant rice, you get rice, you plant wheat, you get wheat, you plant rice, you want wheat, you no get. <laughs> so if we, in this whole issue, we seem to have forgotten that in our toxic self-centered culture, that we are not alone. And if we are going to have a culture which is based on what's good for me alone and the world can go to hell, 
Remember, it doesn't work like that. Because where the world goes, I go as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty, told us in the Quran about the effect of our actions. And he said, Zahar al fasadu fil barri wal bahri bima kasabat aydin nasi liuzikahum ba'da ladi amilu la'allahum yarjoon. He said, The trials and tribulations, the difficulties and the calamities and uh, the diseases and so on which you find spread on the, on the sea and the land are the result of what people's hands have earned. And God allows that to happen to give you a taste of that. So you may change and you may return to him. So the next time somebody says to you and talks about some terrible thing that is happening in the world and uh, may, Allah ben, may Allah help us, there's no shortage of that. And somebody says to you, well, you know, if there is a God, why doesn't he do something? I'm sure many of us have heard this statement, right? If there is a God, why doesn't he do something? You know what? Next time somebody tells you that, tell them, he did. He already did. He said, what's that? He made you. He created you. To give you an example, supposing I'm a police officer sitting in my cruiser on duty and I see a robbery happening. And I say to you, you know something? If there is a government, why doesn't it do something? <laughs> right? You get the analogy, right? Well, the government did. Appointed you, gave you the equipment, taught you what's right and wrong. Now you want to sit in your cruiser and blame the government, go ahead. Now, therefore, I say on the subject of generosity, it's not even a choice, it is absolutely critically essential because. If anyone thinks that a society that is based on the single-minded pursuit of profit at any cost can be free from the consequences of this philosophy, then surprise, surprise. We can only live surrounded by crime and misery and de depression and despair and fear and pain. So what shall we do? Change our vocabulary. I want to submit to you, please erase the word charity from your minds. Do you know a word called charity? No, you don't. You used to. You don't. <laughs> you don't. In its place, put in the word investment. All right? Charity is a zero-sum game. Charity is net loss. What is charity? Charity is I give something for nothing. How much can I give? Hypothetically speaking, if I give everything away, then what? My charity has to stop. There is some point at which all charity will stop. 
some point. For some it is less, for some it is more. But hypothetically speaking, if I sold everything I owned and I even gave you away this Moroccan uh, thobe and this is uh, from the Saharan desert, uh, Tuaregs, the turban and so on and so forth. Uh, and I stand before you and I don't want to talk about that, but uh, <laughs> it ends. But investment? Does investment end? Go ask Wall Street. Investment never ends. Why? Because investment gives you a return. When there is a return, whatever you put in, you get a return. The more you put in, the bigger the return. So, change the world. Which brings me to the point that today, we live in a society and I'm taking off this and putting on my business hat. In the business world, we talk about ROI, return on investment. So if you bring for me a deal, I will ask you, and you ask me, is this a good deal or not? I'll tell me, I'll, say, I'll ask you, what's your ROI on this deal? What's the return on your investment? Right? Guess which business today has the highest ROI? The business of manufacture and sale of weapons of mass destruction. What do you need for that business to succeed? Wars. Wars. When President John F. Kennedy was shot, that anniversary was a few days ago. I remember in India, and I was, uh, how old I was? I think I was seven or eight years old. Seeing in the newspaper the picture of a gun and the caption said this is made for one reason only weapons of mass destruction are made for one reason only and if you have a society that is based on the return on that then surprise surprise war is permanent Is that the society you and I want to live in? That's the choice we need to make. And therefore, what do you do? Invest in the right things. All of this investment in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to invest. And he promises a return. How much return? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ حَبَّةٍ أَنْبَتَتْ سَبْعَ سَنَابِلَ فِي كُلِّ سُنْبُلَةٍ مِّيَةُ حَبَّةٍ وَاللَّهُ يُضَعِفُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the example of those who spend their wealth in the path of Allah, in the path of God, to help people, to do like what you did. Their example is like that grain which is sown and it sprouts and produces seven years. Years of corn? Seven years, each of which has 100 grains. 
So you plant one grain and you get how many? 700. 700 percent. 700 times. And then Allah is Allah. He doesn't count and give. So he says, Wallahu And Allah will increase that as he wishes. The count is for us to, because we like numbers. But he doesn't count and give, he just gives, take. Take as much as you want. Let us see how much you can take. That is the challenge. And who is guaranteeing this? The one who guaranteed this said about himself, Qul huwa Allahu ahad, Allahu swamad, lam yalid wa lam yulad, wa lam yakul lahu kufu wa nahad. He said, Say, O Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon you. He is Allah, one, unique, indivisible. He is Allah, the sustainer, which all creation needs, but he doesn't need anything from creation. He has no offspring, nor was he born from anywhere. Allah, there is none comparable to him. That is as close to Unitarian theology as I can get. <laughs> the big secret I want to share with you before I end is that to get, you must give. To get, we must give. What you give, so you will get. The more you give, the more you get. Without giving, you can never get. How much will you give? As much as you want to get. As much as you want to receive. So therefore, forget charity and start thinking investment. Invest in God. Invest in Allah, whose return never fails. I want to end with a little poem that I wrote many years ago. And the title of that poem is Give Me Happiness. Give Me Happiness. From the tear which turned into a smile because of you. From the hope that arose from despair because of you. From the pain taken away because of you. Companionship in loneliness, one phone call away. Knowing that someone cares because of you. Hopes turn to aspirations, plans, strategies, success. Fears combated, they are stronger now, full of hope. He said, I work from home, that's tough. I said, it means you have a home and you have work. So where is happiness? In gratitude. Being thankful for what I have. Because I have that which for others is only a dream. Because I can give and I don't need to take. Because I can help 
and don't need to seek help for myself because I receive the generosity of the most generous to share with those for whom he gave it to me. I can't give you happiness. It's yours. Take it. Thank you.